eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered. Beginning right now. Welcome, everybody. It's J.C. and Morgan. Happy St. Patrick's Day if you're listening to us the day of record. If not, a belated happy St. Patrick's Day. He's J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports. I'm Mike Morgan of ESPN and the SEC Network, and we are going to have some fun today. Yes, it's March Madness, but we're always going to get some football in here. And yes, we will talk some college basketball uh, as well. We will uh, do it all within an hour because, to use an industry term, JC and I have a hard out. Uh, we both have uh, things to get to with our other jobs here in about 60 minutes' time. JC, how are you? Doing well, man. March Madness, St. Patrick's Day, of course. Uh, they dyed the river green here in Chicago um, last weekend. And uh, it's a, uh, it, you know, we talk about St. Patrick's Day. And, and you know, it's, it's more popular, certainly, in some places than, than others down south. Obviously, Savannah is really a, a good spot, and Columbia, South Carolina, has a nice uh, outdoor uh, festival in Five Points uh, back in there in old neck of the woods. But Chicago, St. Patrick's Day is at a whole different level. Yeah. So it's uh, you know it's it's an exciting time with March Madness and the luck of the Irish uh, around here, and it's still a a, a balmy twenty eight degrees outside. So that's awesome. <laughs> well, we it, Atlanta weather is the most bipolar weather, as you know, <laughs> like it, 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 spring just teases you. We had just some beautiful days a week ago and you're ready to just take all those sweatshirts and stuff them in the closet for, uh, next winter. And then all of a sudden you're reminded, no, no, it's not over yet. So it's kind of gloomy here. Uh, this week is going to be cold this weekend. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, we're not quite there yet. It's, you know, it's the the second half of March and we still got a, a ways to to go. It's such a great time of year on the sports schedule. It, it, it really is. Uh, I got to ask you first off, mentioned St. Patty's Day. Are you, you got to be part Irish, right? Scotch Irish on my mother's side. Sherman is a German, uh, German name. And, Dad's side is some Scotch Irish, some uh, Native American, and some um, some uh, German. Uh, yeah. So it's but mom's side. There, yeah, they're like Ammons was their uh, her maiden name, and I, I think it's uh, at one point it was like McAmmons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mac- ah, McAmmons. Ah, you gotta leave Ireland because of the tater famine. 
you're going to move to America. You know, anyway, sorry. It's <laughs> <laughs> just an I, I, excuse I did, for you to get into a leprechaun mode. My, my Liam Neeson, I, I did do my Liam Neeson voice uh, for a commercial the other day, so I'm still kind of working that out. Oh, but, nice. Um, no, it's, uh, yeah, it, it is a little Irish. I do have so a set of skills. Good. I have a very um, specific set of skills. So, yeah. I am uh, about a third, and uh, I had my wife. She had no idea what her ethnicity was. And I'm like, well, you've got to be some Irish German. And I even said some Scandinavian. She's got the the, the naturally blonde hair and blue eyes. Oh, summer? And, yeah. yeah. Scandinavian she the, somewhere. She got the results. It, it was predominantly British and Irish. And these things are oh. pretty uh, foolproof. But I'm like, no, there's there's got to be some more Scandinavian there. Got to be. But uh, whether you're Irish or not, St. Patty's Day is a uh, it's just a fun holiday. Like, I, I, I don't think they've tried to cancel that yet. Have they? Have they, have no, they found no, a way no. to be offended by St. Patty's Day? I'm sure <laughs> eventually that might happen. But uh, as of right now, I don't think there's uh, anybody re- remarkably offended by St. Patrick's Day. Um, some people were remarkably offended by their brackets being torn up as Arizona does it again. Arizona, Arizona as a good seed, as like a high seed, is a nightmare. Uh, they they lose more games in this situation than maybe anybody. Jay Billis picked him to win the national title. I had him going, I think, to the Elite Eight. Uh, I've got Duke, Xavier, Bama, Kansas. I've got Bama cutting down the nets. They're still the best, most talented team I've seen all year long, and I've seen just about everybody. But go back to two fifteen games. So this is now uh, the 11th time a 15 has defeated a two. You had St. Peter's last year beat Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Oral Roberts the year before that defeat Ohio State. So we've had three straight years of 15 beating a two. It's almost like three consecutive years. An FCS team beating a, a top five college football team, right? With with In the postseason, obviously that's never going to happen in college football. But it it's like if Jacksonville State or North Dakota State – uh, went three consecutive years beating Bama, Ohio State, and Georgia. Like that that's the beauty of March Madness that you just you'll never get it in college football. You get upsets in college football, yes, but not to that magnitude. This it's just not set up that way. Um Middle Tennessee, I hate that Kermit Davis got fired. I, I still think he's a very good coach. He led Middle Tennessee against Michigan State. A 15 over a two. That was in 2016. Uh, Florida Gulf Coast, who could forget Lob City or Dunk <laughs> City, whatever Dunk their nickname City. was. Uh, 2013, they knocked off Georgetown. 2012, Norfolk State defeated Mizzou. That 20... one hurt me. Yeah. I was because yeah. I was in Vegas and I put a $5 parlay down, Mike, on if you got all 16 games on the, on the day right. You won thirty thousand dollars. Oh my goodness! And th- I was don't tell me that's the only one you lost. Now I was fourteen. If you wanted fifteen, you got seven hundred, which would have been great. But yeah, fourteen of sixteen lost that one, and lost Marist. I think Marist was, was the team that beat Duke and Greensboro oh. as a as a th- I think a thirteen versus a four. Uh, wow. Yeah, Duke losing in Greensboro. I mean, come on. I mean, it come was a, uh, and then Norfolk State. Yeah, beating uh, Missouri uh, as a two. That was 2012. You remember? Oh, you you know what? Here's the other one. Uh, it wasn't Marist. It was Lehigh. 
Lehigh. Okay. So. Lehigh defeated, defeated Duke 75 70 that same year. So you had two 15s <laughs> winning in 2012. 2001, Hampton defeated Iowa State. Uh, some people would say the program never recovered from this. In 1997, Coppin State knocked off Eddie Fogler's South Carolina team. That was a really good Gamecock team that had Watson, Mackey, Davis, Stack, Antonio Grant. There was a lot of talent on that team. Um, Santa Clara and Steve Nash defeated Arizona, Arizona again, in 93. And it all started in 91 when Richmond knocked off Syracuse, now sands Bayheim. That was the first 15 to beat a two. And of course, only one 16 has defeated the one. And Virginia lost that a few years ago to UMBC, uh, which sounds like a, a, a radio station. Welcome, everybody. UMB? UMBC. UMBC. <laughs> the uh, character in private parts. WNBC. They, um, they vote him, son, Ryan. Uh, that's right. That's right. Coach, coach them. He's at Utah State now. He's at Utah State now, and um, uh, they lost to Missouri yesterday. But yeah. Virginia does it again, and what was one of the most boneheaded plays I've ever seen. I mean, it's the closest thing to Chris Weber that I could think of. You, in, in this case, the kid had a timeout. He's on the baseline. They're up by two. It's like 10 seconds left, and he just throws the ball up for grabs at midfield. Remember the old game used to play as a kid? In the backyard, five hundred. Did you did you play that? Where one guy would throw the football straight up in the air, and the rest would just kind of huddle under it. If you caught the ball in the air, it was a hundred points. If you caught it on like one bounce, it was fifty. And if you if you just were the first one to pick it up, it was twenty five. I I don't know if it, I don't know how popular that was. Everybody played uh, killed a man with the ball, which had an, another nickname that would never fly in this day and age. But but that was so that's what he did. He's like, look, when we used to play 500, you just throw the ball up in the air and one of your friends catches it for 100 points. Uh, and that's how Virginia uh, lost that game. It's crazy. Credit that it, kid for Furman for nailing the three. Yeah. There. That oh, was clutch. Ice cold. Clutch. Congrats uh, man, to the, the Paladins. And I've watched, I've watched a lot of Furman basketball uh, through the years. I mean, I grew up in the upstate of South Carolina, obviously. And, uh, uh, used to go watch some of their games. I mean, because Furman was right there in Greenville. They used to play at the old auditorium, which, by the way, I saw a heck of a concert. Clint Black in Little Texas there one time. It was pretty cool. Uh, Little Texas said, because they opened for Clint Black, at the time, that was the first time they had played that song, What Might Have Been. They're like, we got this new song. It's called What Might Have Been. <laughs> I was like, yeah. wow, that was a hit. Uh, you can catch that on most of your easy listening rock and roll stations these days. But uh <laughs> It was, uh, but Furman played their home games there before they had, they built their own campus arena. And, um, it was, uh, they were always just good enough to finish third or fourth in the SoCon. Right. Uh, back, and back in those days, Marshall was in that league and, you know, some other pretty good basketball programs and all that. But it, this has been a slow rise for them. Nico Medved, who's now at Colorado State, who took Colorado State to a six seed last year in the tournament. Kind of got it started. He went on, he took the Drake job and then on to CSU. And Bob Ritchie, uh, who was a South Carolinian, who was uh, originally an assistant at Charleston Southern and got on the Furman staff with Nico, and he got the job. And he is an excellent coach, an excellent recruiter, uh, can really find players and, and, and really can coach the game. So uh, Furman was a powerhouse back in the seventies and then they got put on probation <laughs> Yeah, uh, and they hadn't heard from them since, but, uh, uh, they do have some, some history back in the day. And, uh, certainly, 
you know, I, I know a lot of Furman fans and I know they're tickled to death uh, and got a pretty, you know, winnable game. I think at San Diego state, I didn't know, I don't know where San Diego state's found all these, but they got big athletic guys. Yeah, I, I was do. surprised when they played Charleston yesterday, just at the size of those dudes mm-hmm. and how athletic they were. So it's, it's not going to be easy, but I mean, you'd probably rather play them right now than uh, Alabama or like Texas or, or, Penn State, which is all of a sudden one of the hottest teams in the country. So we'll see what happens with uh, Furman tomorrow morning. First win for Furman in the tournament since 74. And San Diego State might need those big guys if they wind up in the uh, Pac-12 as that story continues to be uh, just tenuous at best. I mean, here we are, like again, second half of March, and we don't know what the Pac-12, 10, 8, 6 is going to look like. When the dust settles, nothing has happened there. I thought there was an interesting and encouraging article because so much has been made of how attendance has been down in college uh, football and that more and more people are getting priced out and more and more people would rather watch it on their 65-inch high def in a climate-controlled building with a bathroom that's not utterly disgusting. Um, Attendance actually took a jump from 2021 to 22. Now, it's still not what it used to be. In a lot of cases, but it increased 5% last year, an average of 41,840 fans a game. I realize that number sounds low, but that that's counting everybody. That's counting the Mac, the Sun Belt, the Mountain West. Obviously, the SEC is higher, and the SEC led the nation in attendance for a 24th consecutive year. 24 consecutive years, which is saying something, too, because the Big Ten has massive stadiums. Big oh, yeah. Ten's got a bunch of massive stadiums. Uh, but the SEC has has led in that. Uh, not since 82, when attendance rose an average of 9,000 per game from 81, has there been a larger increase. Now, you know, the decrease was in part due to COVID. It was in part due to, again, what we just talked about with uh, the money factor, that more and more people just, they would rather just go and watch it at home. Uh, and I get it. I, I mean, I'm... I understand it either way. I hope we don't lose fans wanting to go because I can tell you as either a fan or an announcer, it's just different when you've got a full house. I mean, there's nothing better than natural crowd noise. I can tell you the number one thing that people in my profession like to do is what we call layout. When a huge play is made and the crowd is so good and the best thing I can do is shut the hell up. Um, that is that is gold. It, nothing can sound better than that. But we don't always have that. We we have had less and less of that, quite frankly. Uh, but anyway, it's a, interesting. I had some Dennis Dodd of uh, of CBS Sports just talking about the attendance. So for all the talk about ticket prices and coaching salaries and everything else, at least FBS attendance rising for the first time in eight years. So there is that. Yeah, and I, I'm with you there. And I, you know, 2021, just kind of noticing stadiums around the country. There, there were some some stadiums that were full, and there were others kind of. And I think COVID had a little bit to do with it, especially at the beginning of the year. There were some people that were sort of unsure and all that. There were some some that you know, had mask mandates still in place and stuff. But by the time the season was done, I mean, it, it seemed to the. the you know, people were circ- you know, cycling back in. And then you're right this year, it was, it was very noticeable. The, the stadiums um, that uh, 
had pretty pretty much packed houses. I mean, and, and then you know you factor in it too on the field. I mean, when when Tennessee is you know contending, you know they're going to get a hundred and ten thousand instead of ninety five. You know, and mm-hmm. so that that uh, Tennessee's big you know the big stadium cycling up. Michigan's a playoff team, so obviously their huge stadium gets uh, more people. You know, you, you don't get. I mean, it's not that dramatic, but you know, when you're winning and you're playing big games at home, obviously that's uh, <clears throat> it's going to be a pack. I mean, tickets for that Tennessee Alabama game on the, on the secondary market were ridiculous. I mean, four, five, six hundred dollars just to get in. So um, <clears throat> that's good. That's good for the health of the sport, man, because uh, it keeps us employed and engaged, right? If if, if nobody mm-hmm. cares and nobody comes, I mean, we're we're going to find something else to do. So, well, <laughs> you, I, know. The, you know, the the thing I always say about that is. Like I don't think people stopped being engaged or caring. I just think they they said, you know what, I'm gonna just sit it out and watch it at home. Like it's just so easy to do that now. I it's, prefer that. I, I think a lot of people do. Look, look, the thing is, when you're in the stadium, I don't care if you're at the fifty yard line in row two. <clears throat> there's certain things you're not going to see, mm-hmm. and there's certain angles you're not going to get. Uh, and replay. Look, replay's been around a long time, but we've never had the angles that we have. We've never had the the defini- the high definition that we've had. I mean, you just watch a classic game from like 1982 when they run them, and you realize how far television has come. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the broadcasts are pretty brutal, quite honestly. I mean, for all the nostalgia of Keith Jackson and all those things, I mean, the graphics were terrible. They insisted on not putting the score on the screen the whole game because they thought that well, if people know the score, they might change the channel. Ah. NBC, NBC was the last one to still – I don't know. I've, does NBC still do that? I think they finally – their stubbornness finally ceased. Um, but for the longest time, they did that with Notre Dame games. We're not going to put the score on the screen because that, that's – I know. It's like, come on, man. What's the but, score? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. I mean, the TV now – and there's – you know, people are always trying to – add things there's not a whole lot more you can do um but there's not a whole lot more you need to do you've got everything you need so i i think that's always the that's the number one competition it's not i don't really care about college football anymore i think the passion for college football has never been greater i just think that the price of a ticket which just keeps going up 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 and away combined with it's a pretty doggone good deal to just watch it at home or even a sports bar or what have you um yeah. One other interesting, I thought, uh, piece. Wow, this is a double shot of Dennis Dodd. I, I, I don't know if I've ever had a double shot of Dennis Dodd. Which, and when Dennis stays away from politics, I like what he, I like what he writes. Uh, so many national football writers just can't help themselves to inject their true passion, which is politics, into their coverage of the sports they cover. But he was talking about the uh the things he's looking for at a spring we we are embarking on spring football games they're they're right around the corner uh usually missouri goes first i don't know why but uh they're earliest and then the, the big weekend this year is april 15th the overwhelming majority of spring games will be on the 15th some will be on the 8th and some will actually be a little bit later uh you know number one can georgia repeat number two coach prime you're going to get a stick and and by the way Deion sanders and his Colorado. Buffalo is the only spring game that will be on ESPN. Everything else is either on Plus or SEC Network. Most of them will be on Plus, and you'll see them replayed 100 times 
on the network. But uh, the television coverage of Dion, all in. Uh, and as of right now, Colorado is still in the Pac-12. We'll see how that uh, shakes out. Realignment number three. Yeah, by the time spring practice ends, maybe by the time uh, you know we get done with this podcast, college football could rearrange itself again. The Pac-12 is in danger of falling apart. The Big 12 is ready to pounce. Uh, and, of course, we all know in 2024, you've got Texas, Oklahoma in the SEC. You've got uh, UCLA and Southern Cal in the Big Ten. Late transfer window. Some order was restored when the Wild Wild West had become the transfer portal. Um, now at the end of the uh, first window, January 18th, 1,200 players entered the portal. Think about that. 1,200 players entered the portal. Doesn't mean they got a scholarship, just means they rolled the dice. The second window open is May 1st through 15th. Basically, when uh, spring practice concludes, you can expect a rush to the transfer window as a bunch of position battles play out. That'll predominantly be quarterbacks, right, JC? I mean, guys will know, okay, I'm not going to get the starting job after this spring ball. Clearly, they're num they're more keen on the other guy. I'm going to get out of Dodge. We're going to see a lot of that, don't you think? I think so. I, you know, and that's and, and I was talking to Wimp Sanderson on, on the radio in Tuscaloosa yesterday morning and uh he was asking about quarterbacks because you know auburn kind of uh, auburn's kind of in the market for qb um you know I, I don't think there'll be any movement in alabama necessarily but you know you, you kind of look at some of these teams especially around the sec and they're kind of loaded at quarterback right uh and it may not even be the guy that's the number two guy maybe the number three that, that gets out of dodge just because you know that's the, you can only play one at a time and you know you're in your third year or something. Yeah, you want to go someplace you could play. So, because um, he asked me, he's like, "Well, you know, you think Auburn will get a quarterback?" And I, I, I do because I think I don't know who it is. I don't know who it's going to be. Uh, I may, if I were an Auburn fan, I probably, you know, and this is just pure speculation on my part. Probably look a look over toward Athens a little bit and at their depth chart and see, uh, or see who they got because yeah, or Ole Miss or someplace like that. Uh, LSU uh, already lost one, so I. You know, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think that, that that's that's normal. And and I don't, you know, a lot of people want to close down the window after spring ball. Uh, and I, I totally understand the, um, the, the coach's perspective, and I support that. You know, hey, we got our team set after spring, and now you're going to open the portal window, and, and now we got to build over the summer. You know, we don't know who we have. Uh, I understand that perspective. I think for quarterbacks, though, it's a positive thing because, like I said, you can only play one. Um, quarterbacks transferring were pretty normal. They were sort of normalized as it was even before the portal and the free transfer. So uh, I don't mind that because I think I think that's sort of understood more so than than somebody, you know, going back to his hometown and, and running into somebody that's connected with another school and you know, they start talking NIL and then all of a sudden, boom, you know, the, the, the kids leaving the program that developed him uh, for another program. So that right. after spring ball, I, I, to me, that's a, that's not good for the sport, but um, quarterbacks transferring and sort of uh, the, the loser of the competitions. I mean, we've seen Mike so many times 
guys that lose those competitions that go on to other schools that do big time things. I mean, mm -hmm. Oklahoma is a good example of that. Joe Burrow from uh, uh, LSU back in 2000 and, uh, you know, 19. Old Tigers. Old Tigers, Joe Burrow. But, uh, you know, he, he was, uh, a, he lost the job at Ohio state, you know, so away he goes. I mean, you know, so I, 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 you know, I, I don't really mind that, uh, you know, for, for those that, you know, have listened to me that, you, you know, I think they need to kind of tweak some things, but mm -hmm. I don't really mind the quarterback derby, you know, after, um, after spring ball, just because so many kids have been successful, uh, making that move and they would have been on the bench otherwise, you know, yeah. it may, now it may, it may just tell you though, Hey, maybe don't go to the, don't, maybe don't chase the big time program. You know, if you, if you look at their depth chart and, you know, maybe maybe make a better decision out of high school, but you know they're competitors and, and they're going to go compete. So, uh, well, and I think uh, that's my thing. I think it's been proven, JC, that if you are if you have the skills and the talent at quarterback, you don't have to play in a Power Five league to get drafted highly. And we're seeing FCS kids go in the top ten. We're seeing small schools uh, produce quarters quarterbacks like Taylor Heineke who just signed a free agent deal. Remember when Jacoby Brissett couldn't find playing time at Florida with that log jam of QBs? Where did he wind up? Did he go to Liberty? Was he another Liberty guy? Uh, he went no, to an no, FCS school. You're, you're thinking of Malik Willis. Brissett Malik, went to yeah. NC State. You're thinking of NC State. Was that his last school? For some reason, I thought he went Jacoby to Jacoby went to NC State. Okay. Yeah, which, I don't even know, remember I, him. At, at Did he do much at NC State? He started. I, he was their starting quarterback. But, I mean, like, did they – did they have they a good win. year? Did they, they do anything? They won the seven or eight games they normally win. <laughs> they did what they do every <laughs> you know, year. They, they, they won they, seven they, or eight games. Mark it down. NC State's going to be right. between That's six right. and eight wins every year. They're every a model, year, a they model just, of consistency. They so. tease you. Like, oh, we're really we're ready for the big time. No, we're not. No, just I, kidding. In 2017, NC State had more draft picks on their defense than uh, than Alabama. Okay. And they're supposed to be really good. You know, next thing you know, they're eight and four and they give it up 52 to Wake Forest or something like that during the season and lost. And they're like, ah, eight and four again, you know. But, uh, and then this past year, uh, NC State was supposed to be really good. Eight and four again, you know. So um, that's what they do. That's, that's who, just, they, that's that's who they are. Man. That's and you who know they what? are. We but, love them for it. Yeah. Malik Willis lost the job at Auburn and then went or got right. out after Gus left and went and played for Hugh Freeze at Liberty. And that's right. Uh, was drafted and all that. But uh, yeah, you don't have to go to, I mean, look at Josh Allen. I mean, he played in somewhat of a wing T type of offense at Wyoming. I mean, that, that the guy that coached Wyoming was an old Nebraska type of option guy, you know, and, and yeah. look at what he's doing in, in the NFL. I mean, I was looking I, uh, at, yeah. I was looking at Brissett, not to take a deep dive, but you know, I I, I get in these rabbit holes and I can't get out. Uh, Jacoby Brissett starts at NC State for two years after kind of riding the pine at Florida. Completes 59% of his passes. Throws for 2,600 yards both years. Um, his best year, he had 23 touchdowns. And of course, back then he ran a lot. Um, but nothing like overwhelming. But he still got drafted. And and still and still playing in the NFL, I mean, good for him. You know, he's been predominantly a backup in the league. I actually did a Taylor Heineke game. Don't ask me how, but Old Dominion was playing somebody in the Big Twelve, and we did the game. And I was like, "Who the hell is this Heineke kid?" And by the end of the game, I was like, "Oh, okay, he's got the potential to play at the next level." And 
again, he just signed another deal, and he's um, proven he can flat out play. But yeah, my point is, to, yeah, yeah, to the Panthers, right? And and we're going to get to that storyline in a second. Who the heck are they going to take number one? That's a that's a deep dive. Um, but again, you can you can be anywhere, and that's what these kids know now, and that's what they're being told by their agent. Oh, can't say agents. Uh, their advisors. Uh, and, and so what they do is when they don't get the job after spring ball, they're ready to go. They're ready to bolt. We're not, this is not 1990s Bobby Bowden, where every starting quarterback was a, a red shirt junior, you know, like Charlie Ward, Charlie Ward sat on the bench for three years. Yeah. So did other guys like Danny Connell. Like they, they no none of them played as freshmen and sophomores, but this is a new day and age where it's, I'm not going to just sit here and learn and be a protege and wait my turn. It's where can I go and play right away? And there are 130 Division One schools. Someone out there is going to want me. And maybe I feel like I'd rather dominate at a lower level like FCS. And if I do that and then show up and show out at the Combine, I'm going to be a high draft pick. And that's basically what's happened. Uh, just to finish up on this article, SEC schedule, that's going to be a major storyline. Obviously, we've we've covered that. I think we're in agreement, JC. We both think that it's going to be the 3-6 model, and then we're going to, we're going to wait on pins and needles for what the official three-game permanent mm-hmm. opponent list is going to be. It's been speculated. That's not in concrete. Uh, Miami's- I think the 6, the six yeah. is going to be what ends up being more important. But, yeah, there's going to be so much angst and consternation about the the three perms. I mean, it's uh, it'll drive a storyline for a month or two. The, when you say six, because you're well, going to go rotate six, six every other year. Every so other you, year, you, know, yeah. you have six, and then you play another six. Right. So in so so who are those teams? I mean, you know, that's that's three fourths of your two thirds of your schedule. Right. Every year. So if you happen to draw, you know, because what they'll do, they'll set it up by history or whatever. So if you draw like in 2021, let's say you drew Auburn, Florida. Texas and LSU. Mm-hmm. That looks like a bear when you look at it two right. years before. But all those teams were six and six and five and seven <laughs> in right. that season. Right. So right. you're going to have situations where, you know, especially with the top two going to Atlanta, where number three may be better than number two, but not get to go to Atlanta because they yeah. drew uh, Ole Miss on an uptick. That's right. Or, or Arkansas on an uptick. That's right. No, it's a great point. I mean, it, no matter how much you try, you will never get true equity uh, in your schedule, no matter what conference you're in, other than the Big 12. And even that's going to change. The Big 12 right now is a 10 team league, is a nine game round robin where everybody plays the same nine teams. That's never going to be the case when you're a 14 team, soon to be 16 team league. So, yes, there are going to be years where uh, even a team like Georgia could have a weaker schedule than Mississippi State. It's just going to happen. There's there's mm-hmm. nothing you can you can really do to uh, make it equal for for everybody every year. But, I, you know, they're trying their darndest to make it as fair as possible. And I saw the list of the permanent threes. I was like, yeah, that's fine. Like, it's not it's not one sided. It's not uh, it, it, people are going to gripe no matter what. But um I didn't have a uh, a major problem with it, uh, but you're right that that six will be very crucial year by year for given teams. Uh, a couple other things from this year seventeen under Saban, it's it's year God. seventeen 
under Nick Saban. I can't even believe that, man. You know, I feel I, old. Well, I feel uh, duped because if you would have told me when he took the job that he'd be there 17 years, I'd say, yeah, right. Of course, I never thought Spurrier would be at South Carolina for over 10 years, but he was. Um, but but this is, I think, for a lot of people, they consider this a watershed year because if they don't make the playoff in back-to-back years, God forbid, then everybody's going to say, uh, he's losing it. It's not the same. George has clearly usurped Bama as the big dog in the league, and maybe it's time for old Nick to step off into the sunset. That will be the narrative. Promise you, if they don't make the playoff again in year seventeen, who are they going? I mean, there's not a coach out there you're going to get that's better. No, than Nick Saban. of course not. Of course, not. I mean, you get but, you could. Of course I, not. And I can tell you this: have having sat down with the man for thirty minutes uh, at, for a game this year. He hadn't lost any uh, miles per hour on his fastball in terms of passion, in terms of commitment. I sat and watched an entire Alabama practice, and I'm going to tell you, I've never seen such a well-oiled machine. They lost two games by a total of four points. I don't two, know. That's, that's what kept them out of the playoff. Two games I, by a total of four points. Yeah, and uh, you know, both and both were kind of wild games, and both were in when Tennessee is packed. That stadium's loud, okay? Yeah. Very, very loud. Uh, and we know uh, Death Valley's loud. And they wanted uh, a knuckleball field goal. Shoot. And, and then a two-point conversion late. Uh, on the same play, Clemson beat them on in the national championship game in, in right. 2016. Uh, the rub play down there. But, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, and then also the same play Texas A&M ran to beat them in Tuscaloosa this past year that failed and that Jimbo, everybody let Jimbo up about it. So how funny yeah. is that? But yeah, uh, yeah. it was like, uh, but, but look, it, you know, here, I, I think with Alabama, it's it probably more the games they won than losing and the, like the closeness of that, like, like that A&M game. I, I mean, at Texas A&M was a talented team, but not a very good team. Uh, you know, the Texas game, I mean, that was a, that I think I sat here and said I thought Alabama would boat race Texas, and they didn't. It was a mm-hmm. it was a down to the wire ball game, uh, and I think that was kind of a concern. Um, you know, I think almost losing to Auburn last year was a concern, and that and Brian Harson's Auburn Tigers was a concern. Um, so I think some of the wins uh, more so than, than than maybe those close losses have, have Bama fans uh, a little nervous, but. Look, man, uh, they're not going anywhere. They, they, they're redoing the offense this year. It's They're going back to the power run game, and uh, they're still going to be able to throw the ball. But uh, I think Tommy Reese is going to be a sneaky good hire for them at OC, and then they're getting back to playing Saban ball on defense with Kevin Steele coming back in. Right. So I, 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 I think Alabama will win another national championship. I would take, yeah, I would bet uh, along with you on that if that was uh, a question posed. And I bet you that you could find somewhere in Vegas where you could bet on that. (laughs) I would do it. They're still loaded, too. I mean, they're loaded with players. So Carson Beck is likely going to be the starter at Georgia from all indications, uh, unless something radically happened, different happens in this spring. Um, No knock on Beck or Vandergriff or anybody else. For all the, for all the just negative, stuff about Stetson Bennett that was out there, including some from Georgia fans, if we're being honest. I don't know if he's as replaceable as people want to think. 
Like you're going to insert somebody in there that's going to look look like a better quarterback, maybe have a stronger arm. Um, don't know if he's going to be quicker, but I, I'm just telling you, you, you might realize that Stetson had a certain special something that will be missed, and it's not going to be missed in like against Vanderbilt, or it's not going to be missed in probably 80% of the games they play because they're just talent is going to overcome anyway. But there's going to be a couple of games where you are going to win or lose based on plays your quarterback makes or doesn't make. That's that's mm-hmm. every team in the country. Um, well, for most teams, it's more than that. But for Georgia, they can just go out there and out-talent you even without great quarterback play for probably 80% of their games. I just I can't wait to see the other two uh, or three like what that looks like. I really I have no idea. They, they go to Knoxville the last like right before they play Georgia Tech. So right that last what used to be affectionately known as Sun Belt or SoCon Saturday in the SEC. They yeah the league has changed and and put uh, some land which is smart. Yeah yeah I mean well yeah Tennessee South Carolina was that that weekend. Uh, this past year, and you you right. saw that changed kind of the yeah. the whole thing. So uh, this this season, it's Georgia at Tennessee in that last spot before the rivalry weekend. So smart to do because every conference plays quote unquote cupcakes, but the SEC gets piled on because they're all stuffed into like one week one weekend in November. Yeah. It's like, but look at the early schedules for Big Ten schools. The, the Big Ten. The, the, there's no big, good Big Ten games for three weeks. That's I what mean, I'm you're, saying. You're watching the Mac Challenge. You they know? Just, that's what it is. It's the Big Ten Mac Mac Challenge, and they just load up on the Mac and <laughs> feast on the Mac in half of September. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the weather gets cooler before they play anything decent uh, in that right. league. But um, you know, but I, I think I think it's interesting. You know, and, and with Tennessee and Georgia, let's just say for. And they're probably going to be picked one and two in the division. I think South Carolina will be picked third, uh, Florida, Kentucky, fourth, fifth. And then, I mean, that's just what's going to happen in media days. We know it won't end up right. that way. Let's just say it is. And that's a, that's the SEC East. That's for the East. That, that's good. And, and I think when your arch rivals are Florida State and Clemson, that's tough, you know, to, to play a big league game before that. But when, right now when it's Georgia Tech and, and then your in-state rivals Vandy the next week, Ah, it's okay to play that big game. That's probably what the Georgia Tennessee fans will be fired up about playing it, yeah. playing it right then. So, um, because those rivalries aren't exactly what I would call competitive at this point. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I think uh, up there in Knoxville in November, it's going to be a little cool. I mean, whew, shoe no, buddy. it's it's great. Right, look, there's there there's some fascinating stories in the league this year. Uh, you know, we just talked about Georgia. That's the obvious one. That's like catnip for every national uh, storyline. But I want to know if Tennessee can do it back-to-back years, and I want to know if they can do it without Hendon Hooker. I want to know if they can do it where the league will have had three years now to put that offense under a microscope and really break down film and and make adjustments. Because I think that offense just it, – it's like – it's like defensive coordinators didn't quite figure it out yet. You know, they were just like, well, wait a minute. They take the wide receivers and they put them all the way outside the numbers and they stack them up there. And then they, and it, it just seemed like they had the secret formula. Now their offensive coordinator is gone. Obviously Hypo is still a, a, a ahead of that, you know, is still the, the author of that offense in a lot of ways. They're not going to change it. I don't think even with a new OC, 
Same but thing. I want to see how defenses adjust. I was just in Gainesville to do a, a basketball game, NIT game, and I went on a talk show that I go on from time to time. A guy named Steve Russell, he does the show there on uh, WRUF. And I, I got to tell you, like just talking with him and just kind of feeling the vibe a little bit, there is just a whole lot of – it's not apathy, but it is – it is a whole lot of just, I don't know what to think of anything. I don't know what to think of Billy Napier. Florida. <laughs> I don't know what to think about the offense. I don't know what to think about the quarterback. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to think about anything. Like, they're about to have a quarterback go in the first round, and Anthony Richardson, who was average at best during his time there. Um, they're going to have, uh, they're going to, you know, Rashad, of course, wound up going to Arizona State, so th- they don't have, like, a true huge splash candidate right now at quarterback. I'm not sure who their splash wide receiver is. I mean, their top guy last year was a, a transfer from Arizona state. Like they don't have a Kyle Pitts type weapon to tight end. There's just a whole lot of like, ugh. so I, I think that becomes a facet. And I'll tell you this, especially in the day and age of the portal, like Billy Napier ain't going to get four years to endear himself to the fan base there. If they put together another six and seven type campaign, the fans there are going to go bananas. So Damn. that's a that's going to be an intriguing uh, storyline to me as well in the soon to be defunct Eastern Division. Uh yeah, and and look, man, you know, I know Dan Mullen. You know, just knowing a lot of people that have dealt with him over the years, I know that. He's not like Mr. Personality, you know. Quirky. He's very quirky. Uh, he's quirky and and stuff like that. But I mean, the and the guy did have a down year in 2021. Um, but but sort of like, unlike with like Jim McElwain, who won two divisions and then embarrassingly lied, and that last team he had was <laughs> pictures awful, of him you know? naked with a shark embracing him. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a weird deal. Unlike Jim McElwain, who who actually is a pretty good coach. I mean, he had, he had that down year in year three, um, but won two divisions. Uh, you know, but the problem with that last team was they they weren't that talented on offense, and then their offensive like what they chose to run on op was boring. It was it was it was the old Alabama stuff, right? That Nick Saban himself changed at Alabama. Uh, so, but. You know, Dan Mullen is a pretty creative offensive guy. I mean, he he's a one of the best play callers, and you know they set records with Kyle Trask passing the ball. I think Florida fans they will take grind it out, smash mouth football if they win, but they would probably not prefer that. <laughs> and no. think about who's won there, Mike. Uh, it was Urban Meyer with Dan Mullen calling the plays most years. Uh, and that offense, which was the the spread option, oh, it's, it t- took the SEC by storm, you know. And then the head ball coach, who also revolutionized offense in the SEC. Uh, and programs have DNA, you know, and, and then they're like, and fans have kind of preferences and stuff. And, uh, you know, you can't score down there. I think that's Will Muschamp. I mean, you're not going to keep a job. And I just don't know that Napier's offensive system uh, – is is you know is something where you can go uh win without having like ultra talented uh, an ultra big talent advantage against another team 
Um, so I don't know, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. And, and, and I'm, I'm with the Florida fans. I don't know what to think at all. Um, I think probably they're going to have to have to endure another six and six, seven and six recruiting's going well. They're getting players out of the portal. Uh, Graham Mertz uh, was a quarterback at Wisconsin. He's probably going to be the guy that or the King kid from Ohio state. And there's kind of to wait. They have, they do have a five-star quarterback for 2024 out of Texas coming in and already committed. So if you hold on to him, uh, maybe things change, but uh, mm-hmm. it's, um, I think, I think Florida's not going to be bad because they always have good athletes, but I, I don't know that necessarily this will be a breakthrough year for, for Billy down there. Yeah. In Gainesville. I, I know one thing, another six or seven win season is not going to, patience is not really big over there. That's they're, they're not really into that whole three year uh, rebuild situation, uh, but that'll be another fascinating story. Kentucky, which had a, uh, an off year with Will Levis. Um, what do they look like now? Of course they, they got a good one uh, in the portal. Devin Leary uh, from, NC, from, from NC State. From eight-win NC State. From eight-win NC State. He's going from eight-win NC State to <laughs> eight-win Kentucky. Woo, and, let's go. I mean, Leary was a Heisman Trophy candidate at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Um, they had some injuries and everything else. But I think that's a huge pickup for them. But th- their issue I is agree. that they got to fix that offensive line, and they got to get more weapons. I mean, that's – I, I see Mel Kuyper still has Will Levis as the number one pick in the draft. And I know people say, that's crazy. That's insane. He was terrible last year. I'm not telling you I would take him number one. Mm-hmm. I am telling you, watch the tape on the junior year when he had an O-line and when he had Wondell Robinson versus last year when he had two freshman wide receivers leading the way and a very leaky O-line. And so the people that do this for a living, they know that. And that's why Will Levis is going to go in the first round. Um, but, but, but they need, I mean, Mark Stoops could have ran for governor a couple of years ago at Kentucky, but we all know how quickly it can turn. And the good news is they've shown they can be a football school and the passion and the fan base is all in the bad news is when you have back-to-back disappointing years, that passion turns sour and all of a sudden they forget what the good stuff you did for them. That's, that's just the nature of the beast in, in coaching in the SEC. I mentioned Will Levis, and I mentioned the draft. So the the Carolina Panthers made a a huge deal. Um, If you if you look at it, they better they better hit a home run on this one because they gave up two firsts, two seconds, and their only playmaker on offense left and DJ Moore. But it's the only time I can think of JC where it's been this kind of and they move up eight spots from your beloved. Chicago Bears. I I know that's not truly your team, but you live there now, so you're kind of yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll explain. I'll explain my fandom. Yeah, well, this year they played the Falcons, and that was kind of the team of my youth. And right, I'm watching the Bears play, and Justin Fields escapes and scrambles for a first down, and I and I I yelled out, "Yeah!" And I was like, "Oh my god!" So I think I'm I'm in. You've been indoctrinated as as someone that you know, college wise, at South Carolina and. Now, now that Polish Pro sausage, all Polish sausage your... has turned me into a bear for Bears fan. <laughs> That's Polish sausage. So I, I just signed up for a whole different level of misery. Yeah, yeah. Being a Bears and, fan, so. and I guess they're all in on Fields, um, which we'll see how that goes. Uh, terrific runner. I I don't know if if he's ready for the big time. I mean, the game I did up there, and I granted it, it was a quagmire, but I mean, he could barely complete a pass. 
Um, yeah, he's he's got to he's got to work on that. You got you got to work on that a little bit. I mean, it just goes to show you sometimes guys that can dominate in college can't make NFL throws. I mean, that's why. Yeah, he, he needs to kind of take the Jalen Hurts path and get better at that. Yeah, like like yeah. Jalen did. Jalen got yeah. better. So uh, and again, in fairness, they they need to give him weapons and more will be one and uh, et cetera, et cetera. But but here's my question for you, and this is going to be asked a million times, a million different ways. Uh, we got Young, Stroud, Levis, Richardson, all expected to go in the first round. All could potentially go number one to the Carolina Panthers. Rank them for me. I know what my my top four is. I know how I see them. And I've seen, uh, what, three of these guys in person. I've never seen Stroud. I'm going I've... Stroud, Young, Levis, Richardson. Okay. Richardson to me is too big of a gamble for the Panthers to take it one. So you it's, and I are yeah, you and I are almost identical. I'm staying and I don't care if he's five, ten and a half, and I you know, I knew this was gonna happen the moment they actually measured the kid, they were gonna realize he's smaller, and then it's not just the height he's he's frail, if you will. Now look, two hundred pounds is not skinny, but it's his it's his this is the way they look at it. As ridiculous as it sounds, it's his bone structure. He is an ectomorph, to use a uh, high school physiology term. Uh, he's just kind of thin-boned and and skinny ankles, and all that helps him be so elusive. But it also they worry about his durability. And in the in the wake of some smaller quarterbacks not faring real well, and in the wake of the one guy that has fared well and Tua getting concussions on a on a regular basis this becomes the biggest concern but i don't i'm i'm throwing all that to the wind i'm taking young number one my eyes don't wow. deceive me that that is the best looking quarterback coming out and i think there's something special with him and yes injuries are part of the game and no matter how big you are you can have them i'm gonna take him one I'll, i'm with you on stroud i'll take him two i'll take levis three and again i'm higher on levis than most are and i'll take richardson four uh, and look, I know some people that were actually at the combine that they they just they went goo goo gaga. Like Mike, I'm telling you, I haven't seen a quarterback this athletic. I I, I got it, I got Cheers. it. He's yeah. not Cam Newton. He's not. Just stop saying he's Cam Newton. He's not Cam Newton. Cam Newton throw threw a good ball in college. Now he never got. He you know, he didn't work on 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 his on his throwing as much as he could have in the pros, and I think that stopped him from being a a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. But. But he had a hell of a lot more going for him than Anthony Richardson does coming out of college. Uh, that was much more of a sure bet to take Cam Newton number one than Anthony Richardson. Oh, but Richardson's the, the got entire a vertical swamp. leap. When the entire swamp holds its breath every time he drop back to pass. And yeah, that's worried, not a good thing. You're worried he's going to throw it right to that dang linebacker he doesn't see. I mean, yeah, every man, time, come like, on. You know? you, like they, people, look, that Utah game got so many eyeballs. Wow. I don't know what the final numbers were, but but every if you didn't watch it live, you saw the highlights. And you saw the 360 on the two-point conversion. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, he, he put together a hell of a, a, a highlight reel in that team. game. But you watched the other 11 games, and you didn't see a quarterback – that really played great football. And so you're just, you're betting on the light bulb is going to go on that, that, yeah, he was in a bad situation at Florida. He had to play for uh, multiple coaches and he didn't have a ton of talent around him. And da, da, da. okay. Okay. I, I, I'll be very curious to see.
uh, how that's going to – it's like a scientific experiment to see what Anthony Richardson turns into. Uh, okay, I, I, I'm with you on Young, too, and, and I'll say this. The reason I went with Stroud, here's what, I, here's what it came down to for me, and I changed because I was Bryce Young pretty much all the way, and I thought for sure the Texans, not the Panthers, would, would trade up, but he, here's why it's Stroud. 348 yards passing against Georgia's defense. That was the game. You're right. You're yeah, absolutely and, and right. I, I'm just like, look, I will take he that over the underwear Olympics at the combine any day of the week. Yes. Because that's that defense. Not, not only was it full of freaks in 2021, right? Look at the combine numbers for their guys this year. That, that they not only had great players, Mike, they had great athletes. I yep. mean, the, the, you've got you've got 270 pounders down there running four or five at Georgia. That's yeah. a whoosh. That's a wonder anybody scored against him. And this kid threw for 348 yards. And he did have good receivers, but he's going to have good receivers in the pros, too. So that, really that's kind of what yeah. ended up with me because I've never been a huge Stroud guy. Yeah. And then I thought, well, man, against the very best, against a, an NFL caliber type defense. And that's the game. Let him up. That, let if, him he up. Goes, if he goes number one, that's the game. That's the game. Yep. Uh, that, that is the one that for a lot of people, uh, it flipped them. And justifiably yep. so. Uh, how much time do we have? I, I know you've got things. We to- got about fifteen minutes. Okay, uh, so we can we can fit in the uh, remote droppers, the five and yes, five and dimers. All right. Let me uh, mention also Blue Delta Jeans, BlueDeltaJeans.com for the very best in blue jeans, khakis. Now they've got jackets, they've got hats. Check out the well- website BlueDeltaJeans.com. But I keep going back to the pants because. Uh, JC, you know it. I know it. When you get a pair of blue deltas, it's just different. That's why okay. so many people in all walks of life have made the change to blue delta jeans. They will last a lifetime. They are custom fit. You will look your best. You will feel your best. It's just a different level. I've got them on right now. And uh, I, I noticed the other day uh, they custom income for you, and your name is yes. in the tag. So. Let's just say something bad happens and, and they find your pants. That's right. Ne- next to, I don't know. <laughs> it's just good to have that careful. extra layer of identification careful. on you, right? That, you know? that, that, that could be a story on, onto itself, JC. <laughs> no you lose your pants, but hey, there's my initials on the pocket. Uh, that could be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on uh, the situation. There's no doubt about it. So. <laughs> right. uh, in, in, uh, in, in closing, we've, uh, we've started this segment. Uh, the last few weeks, uh, the fiver and dimers, it's remote droppers, just movies that when they're on, you drop the remote and you can't help to watch it again and again. Now, you and I don't discuss this before we go on the air, so I have no idea if you've even seen these movies. I pick these kind of randomly. Uh, it's a little bit of homage to Bill Simmons. Uh, he does a uh, a podcast called The Rewatchables, which is very cool. And... Uh, it just it's it's for people that as much as I talk about how Hollywood has clearly run out of ideas and I don't go to the movies much anymore. There was a time where movies were outstanding and that was like the thing you do when you see a good one on. It can it can brighten your day. It can brighten your day. All right. So Fiverr is a movie that you liked it enough to watch it at least five times when you see it on the tube. Doesn't mean you actually go to the movie theater five times. Nobody does mm-hmm. that anymore. A dimer means you've seen it at least 10 times, or it could be none of the above. Maybe you didn't see it at all. Maybe you saw it once and you just didn't like it. Um, I'm going to start off with the movie Bad Boys. And no, it's not with Will Cheapshot Smith and Martin Lawrence. I'm talking about the Bad Boys movie from 1983 
which used to be on cable all the time, and I loved watching it. Sean Penn. Sean Penn, before he became a whack job, Sean Penn was an outstanding actor, and he plays a juvenile delinquent who goes to juvie, and it kind of lets you into the life of juvie, and there's a big like fight scene at the end and everything else. Uh, I love this movie. JC, I don't even know if you've seen it. For me, it's a dimer. Because it used to be on yeah. HBO all the time, and I, I watch. And by the way, the the guy, the villain, or the so called guy that he fights at the end, uh, and I just forgot his name. He plays the drug cartel leader in Ozark. Same yes. guy, yes, Isai Morales. Isai Morales, uh, yeah, really He's, good uh, actor. What's his name? What's the character's name? Oh God, I, I forgot. It was. He's uh, also in was... La Bamba, by the way. <laughs> nothing, nothing. La Bamba's awesome. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I may have mispronounced. It's maybe essay. No, I think you're e, right. I think e, it is. Esa, 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 right. Yeah, I think um, it. Yeah. I think it is. Esa. But anyway, uh, have you ever seen this movie? I've never seen it. You never seen. It. You know where it takes place? It. Uh, Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, I mean, because you said Bad Boys and Sean Penn, and I was like, was Sean Penn like the villain in one of those <laughs> where Martin Lawrence and Will Smith? Now I will watch that. I, I, that those Bad Boys movies, I'll watch them. I, I probably yeah. they're probably more of a fiver than a dimer, but especially like the. I mean, they're very well shot, like action wise. But uh, no, this is something I'll have to see because okay. I'm with you. Before he went off the deep end, I mean, and, and he's still. He can he's act. Still can act. You know, he, he's still he can a act. Good actor. He, he makes some interesting choices, but uh, again. You know, sometimes you have to do they talk about when you watch a, a movie, you have to have a willing suspension of disbelief in order to really immerse yourself into it and believe it. It's kind of what you have to do sometimes with actors, because, you know, in, in real life, they've just fallen off the deep end. Like Hollywood's gotten to them. Wealth and fame have gotten to them. And they're not necessarily likable human beings, but they can still act. And sometimes you just have to separate the two. Penn can flat out act. And, and this is only his this movie is his third movie. And it was filmed after Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So he went from Jeff wow. Spicoli to this like just really O'Brien, yeah. juvenile delinquent. It's a dark movie. Not a whole lot of laughs. Not going to make you feel good, but it's entertaining. So for me, that's a dimer for JC uh, rent it. It's actually I think it's free right now. On either Netflix or Amazon Prime. So Ali to... Sheedy is in this movie. Ali Sheedy before the Breakfast Club. From uh the Blacklist, Harry Lennox. It's the FBI director of the on the Blacklist. And Alan Ruck. I don't know those two people, <laughs> but I the, the other guy is the guy that plays the the despicable prison guard in Shawshank Redemption. Wow. He is like the he is the the kind of the badass uh, yeah. a delinquent that, you know, you have to have two guys in there that kind of run the hen house. Like if you screw up, you got to mess. You got to deal with them. He plays yeah. another like unlikable, but he plays it so well. He's actually a very good actor. I forgot. Yeah, he, he He's good at playing people. You just want to punch in the face. You just want to punch in the face. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So there's bad boys. No, not the uh, buddy cop movie. Uh, but the dark juvie movie. Okay, Lethal Weapon. Dimer. Dimer. Wow. Watch it okay. all the time. Uh, okay. All all of them. I celebrate the entire collection, Mike. <laughs> celebrate the entire collection. All right. For me, this is none of the above. Like I've seen Lethal Weapon one, maybe a couple of times. 
Joe Pesci steals the movie for me in Lethal Weapon 2. Mm-hmm. And so I've seen that maybe like two or three, and then I and then I checked out. I tapped out. So it's again buddy cop film. It's the the, the premise has been done a million times. It, it for me it's it's good. It's not great. It's but it's good. It's I like I don't watch it now. Like if I see it now, I'm like oh there's a Lethal Weapon marathon. I'm like no, nah, I'm gonna pass. But when I when I was a kid, like I the, the first couple ones, I was like yeah I'm in on this. You know it's it's Gibson, uh, peak Gibson. And Danny Glover plays the you know, the good straight man. Uh, like I said, Pesci in, in Pesci's good in everything, but oh, yeah. uh, in, in Lethal Weapon too. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, the Irish, you seen the, in the Irishman, in the Irishman. That, oh yeah, uh, with yeah. Uh, De Niro and De Niro Pacino. Like he's the different. He's like a different. He's not the Joe Pesci character we're used to. He's kind of an older, wiser guy, right? Right. Uh, and he's really good. I mean, man, that, yeah. that's a long movie, but it's worth. It's not. It wouldn't be a five or a dollar because I'm not going to sit three hours no, through it again. It's long and but slow, it's good. But, but it's, it's good. But it's good. At the, at the yeah. end, you're like, huh, that was pretty good. So anyway, yeah. I, I mean, Pesci in Goodfellas and Casino. I don't know if it gets much better than no. that. I just no. he was born to play those characters. Uh, Uncle Buck. Fiver for me, but uh, no, but not a dimer. Fiber you're going to kill me. You've never seen Uncle Buck. I've never seen it all the way through, and I love John Candy, and I love John <laughs> Hughes, who made this movie. I just had it, it, it. It's not by design. I just never got around to it. I, but it's it, everybody I know loves the movie. I'm sure I would like the movie. That's on my list. You go, Bad Boys. I go, Uncle Buck. Gotcha. Uh, training Day. It's a fiver for me, but I. It'll eventually be a dimer because I always try to catch it. I'm a big Ethan Hawke guy. Yeah. And Denzel is just so dark. Yeah. There's two movies where Denzel One Oscar. Washington. Yeah. I mean, Denzel's just uh, off the chain good in that. And then that one. And then the uh, the one where he just shoots the guy in the head where he's the criminal or whatever. Oh, uh, uh, American Gangster. American Gangster. I mean, those, those, yeah. everything he's in is good, right? I'm going to go, I'll, yeah. I'll take you, I'll go back to St. Elsewhere. All right. He's good. <laughs> Denzel Washington. Is you a watch it elsewhere. I, I will watch it if if Denzel Washington's you know in the episodes he's on. that was so his big start. I will go back to there. He is that good, but um, he uh that training day character though, man, that that's a very interesting Alonzo you know character. And, that's you know, a dimer and, for me. I've seen be, that movie. Yeah. I have it on DVD. Back when people watched DVDs. Yeah, I've seen it more than ten times, and when I, it's on cable, I'm in. It's it's easy to sit there if you were Denzel Washington. It would so be so easy to like mail it in and play the same character in all your movies because he would be able to do that. He's interesting enough to do that. But if you notice the subtlety and the character, I mean, you know, you could tell it's Denzel Washington, but there's these subtle things he does, character to character. Yeah. that make him one of the best actors in the history of acting. So he is. Um, yeah. I mean, he's now I used to do a little bit. I thought he and Tom Cruise, both outstanding actors, but in almost every film, they play a, a character where you, if you threw the adjective cocky in front of it, yeah. it would apply almost every movie they're in. They're cocky. This, you know, with Cruise, it's a, a cocky race car driver, a cocky pilot, uh, a cocky lawyer, a cocky, you know, cocky. Th- and, and with Denzel, it's, kind of the same thing he's cocky in everything he plays but uh but he can play 
different versions of that extremely well. Yes. And in this movie, so subtle, but it's it, good. It's so. I mean, you can't. I don't think you can make this movie with anybody else other than Denzel. And you mentioned too, Ethan Hawke's very underrated in this movie. Yeah, it's so good. the The director, I'm pretty sure, also made a, made an underrated movie called End of Watch with Gyllenhaal and Pena, another kind of cop movie that takes place in L.A. Watch it. I promise you, you will love this movie. I'm I'm giving you jewels here today, J.C., uh, bad boys and end of watch. You'll you'll need to take a shower after you watch these two movies because they're both insanely dark. (laughs) You might like you might want to tell the fiance, honey, you don't want to be. I need a couple hours to myself to recoup from what I just watched. But every now and then you need to watch that. You can't you can't live in a rom-com world 24 seven. I got a two-hour flight to Orlando Sunday night, and um, Boom. yeah, and can't can't gonna lay off the drinks before I get on the plane. There you that's go. normally what I do on the plane, but because uh, sure. I got a big day at the theme park the next day, so yes. um, I'm, I'm looking for something to do. So I may fire up one you of got these it. for sure. I'm telling you, Bad Boys so, and end of, end of Watch. But all right, so Training Day is a dimer for me, a fiver for you. Final one before we wrap things up here on JC and Morgan, JFK. This is interesting because it's a dimer, but it's not necessarily, I mean, so long, right? Over three but hours. But it's, it's one that I'm always, I'm going to, if if it's on and, and you know, my my other options are sort of limited, I'll, I'll watch it. I'll watch it sometimes just sitting around uh, in the afternoon taking a nap or something. I'll watch it. Um, Really interesting movie. I mean, regardless of, of what people's opinions are about mm-hmm. that piece of history, uh, with with a blockbuster cast, in my opinion. I mean, oh yes, Tom, right from Tommy Lee Jones to you, the aforementioned Joe Pesci is in this. Uh, John Candy is in yeah, this. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I and mean, Asner uh, is in this. Uh, Jack Lemon is in this. It, what a cast! Uh, it is an unreal cast. This is for me. I haven't used this yet. This is a Ben Franklin. This is not just a dimer. Oh, wow. Before my time on Earth is done, I will have watched this movie, again, not all the way through. It's like three and a half hours. I will have watched at least parts of this movie a hundred times. I saw it in the theater at a young, impressionable age. I knew very little about the JFK assassination. Saw this movie at a dumpy movie theater in South Florida that, served food while you watched it and i'm a teenager at the time and i was blown away next thing i know i'm reading every book i can find on the kennedy assassination i'm watching every documentary i can find Mm -hmm. nobody cares what i think about what happened on november 22nd 1963 and to your point it doesn't matter if you agree with everything the premise of oliver stone's theory he leaves you with his theory, which, by the way, his theory is based on a book on the Trail of the mm-hmm. Assassins by Jim Garrison. It's not just Oliver Stone's theory. These are people that actually Jim Garrison brought the the, the case to court. He's the only guy to do that. Um, oh, by Do- Donald Sutherland, by the way, an incredible performance in this movie. He, it, so even if you think it was Oswald alone, the performances are so good. The, the historical context, the way they bring in old footage is so good. You will learn things. You will question things. Uh, Oliver Stone, who, as we've mentioned on this before, has made Wall Street, has made Platoon. He's made Born on the Fourth of July. He calls this his godfather, and I agree. 
It's an outstanding flick. Whether you agree with certain things about it or not, it's outstanding. It's a Ben Franklin for yours truly. And and look, just to add more, Martin Sheen is the narrator yes. in this. Uh, uh, Wayne Knight, who played Newman on Seinfeld, Newman. is in yes. this movie. John Larroquette from Night Court is in this movie. I forgot about him. Yeah, Lolito Davilovich is in the Davilovich. Vincent D'Onofrio is in this movie. Uh, Sissy Spacek is in this movie. Yeah. Oh, Walter freaking Matthau is in Kevin this Bacon. movie. Kevin Bacon. Kevin Costner. Uh, Laurie Metcalf. Gary Oldman is Leo Oswald. Dude, come on! What you remember the I mean, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon game? Yes, the, so this, is, this is a this is like a like this a, is like the, the one. Atlanta. It's the Atlanta airport of yes, six degrees to exactly. Kevin Bacon. It's the Atlanta if you airport. can link if you can link it to JFK, you can link <laughs> it to a hundred other great A actors, and you've won the game. So yes, um, <laughs> look, I I have friends that are like, ah, I don't believe in that. I'm not watching that movie. I'm I'm like I'm not here to convince you of anything. No. Oh, it's just a great it, entertainment. Yeah, it, it's yeah, and and again, you will, you will learn stuff because this is not this is not just the theory of Oliver Stone. It's based on yeah. actual people that dedicated their whole lives to trying to figure out what happened yeah. that day. I so think, I think Nat watched uh, my fiance watched JFK the other day and stuff. Oh, we fired the movie up, but it's so freaking tremendous good. Cast. Ooh, so freaking buddy. good and very quotable, by the way. Um, yes. I, 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 I'm not afraid to fire off a few JFK quotes from time to time, <laughs> most of which I can't repeat on this podcast. But anyway, uh, all right. What a great way to end on. We, we covered it all. College hoops, college football, uh, training day, JFK. Hey, I've got two He's movies going to watch bad now. boys and, and end of watch. Mm -hmm. So you're going to cover the flight and then some. And, uh, and we talked about St. Patrick's day as well. And uh, and our allegiance to our some of our Irish blood. JC, this has been fun. We we'll oh, hope yeah. to have Haney back next time around as well. And we'll be back with you in a little more than a week's time. I know you're out next week. So we'll be back uh, shortly after that. Have a safe trip to Orlando. Have some fun down there. I know you will. Uh -huh. give, uh, give my best to your lovely fiance. And uh, we shall talk soon. All right. Enjoyed it, folks. And uh, yeah. looking forward to the next one. That's it for us. For JC, it's Mike. See you next time on JC and Sherbert. Did I just say that? See JC you next time on JC and Morgan. That's the name of our podcast. He is JC Sherbert. It's such a catchy name. I like to say it twice. So long, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.